I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch knows that the fifth element is love, and the sixth element is space marbles. I mean, it, it wasn't. That wasn't supposed to be a franchise. franchise. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't doesn't fit with the theme, uh, but it is. Uh, it, it's a movie. I, I actually I love this movie. I've seen it like four times now. Weirdly enough, Valerian. Um, Valerian. Yeah, uh, my daughter loves it. And I have a whole thing about like why this is like the perfect big budget blockbuster for an eight year old. But we'll we'll get into that later. But yeah, where we love to watch, we're a movie podcast. We do. Um, Four movies a month around a theme, and if we remember, we compare and contrast. Uh, this month's theme is Failure to Launch, which is uh, sci-fi franchises that never got off the ground. Some of them were are intent on being like a three-part series. Some of them left the door open till sequels. Regardless, not popular enough to, to get their second adaption. Although, like anything that goes on today... Uh, the director of, for example, this movie says he's still working on uh, working, making a number two. You yeah. hear that about uh, Battle Angel Alita, which we're covering. Um, and you just never know about even the other two. Like, who knows what, what the world holds for. Uh, and we actually think, like, we already have a good plan, I think, for a sister one of this. Because there's a bunch of fantasy movies, including some I really like, like The Golden Compass, that never... Uh, that never really got off the ground too. So, you know, in, uh, I'd love to do the mummy too. I'd yeah. like to cover the entire dark universe. So, you know, in the world of franchises and, and, and cinematic universes, what didn't, what didn't really work out. And, uh, so we're, we're doing mortal engines, Jupiter ascending, I was to say Jupiter rising. One of the key aspects of this month, particularly of being a sci-fi we month. We cannot seem to get the names right. I cannot remember. When I was when I was pun- when I was pun- punching yeah, when I was pitching this month, I was like, I got the names right here. And then yeah. last week, I was like, Do you want me to watch um, v- Vandal, v- Vandal, and this and I Planet World? It's I almost, Planet World. Globe I Town. almost bought uh, like for it was like a four, three dollar voodoo sale. I almost bought Mortal Instruments City of bones or whatever because <laughs> i thought that's what we were doing but we're doing mortal engines which I, was a different thing both failed franchises uh but what we're we're talking about it, it is bizarre how hard these are to remember and i've seen three of them but i like jupiter ascending i like battle uh angel alita and i i really like this movie so i haven't seen mortal engines there's a peter jackson um uh uh connection there i think he was the producer mm-hmm. um that I think could be interesting. But I think this is going to be a fun month because I don't think these movies are too complicated to talk about. But they are very, for the most part, at least the ones I've seen, they're visually interesting uh, at the least. Um, some of them have better acting and plots and well-cast characters than others. But, like, this movie I think is just a ton of fun. And, like, the the kind of pitch for this movie, I would say, 
it's a it's a chase movie. It's a serial adventure, Indiana Jones style type movie, except that every solution, every problem and every solution to that problem is a bunch of made up stupid nonsense that is very fun to watch. They are inventing out a whole cloth bullshit stuff they need to do and bullshit bullshit problems that are just insane and then bullshit solutions to those problems that are equally insane and that is just the constant motion of this movie this isn't i need the horse to get my whip to get away from the falling rock this is i need to <laughs> get the giant uh, slug sea creatures to give me one of their parasites so i can stick it on my head so i can see uh, anyone's thoughts for one minute but if i leave it on for a longer than a minute it starts eating my my memory so i have to have a like it's that level of just ever expanding insane solutions to insane problems and i, th- I one of the, think that's what it works about it yeah i uh that's what i like about the movie um what is interesting about this movie is a lot of people watched it and were like what the fuck was that about yeah. which is fair because i believe this movie is a two-act movie and the first act is an hour and 40 minutes and the last act is about half an hour um, yeah so we'll we'll get into all of that but yes uh one of the reasons that i wanted to do this month and i've been pushing for it so long when i was i was pitching it to to aaron was we announced <clears throat> it that we were going to do it in uh in june but so yeah. before we, before my paternity leave doubled and we end up doing a clear out of all of our side Sidecast that we recorded, but we did announce that this was going to be our June month before that was scrapped, or our May month before it was scrapped. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the list has been pretty, pretty static. It's, it's the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, Minus Mortal Instruments, Mortal Engines. <laughs> who you were listening? To. <laughs> to be clear, I always meant Mortal Engines. I always meant the. I always meant Mortal Instruments. I always meant the city-sized cars. Um, the uh, the point is that. I think it's very fascinating to watch these movies and not just try and figure out a little bit. This movie, very much so. Try and figure out, A, what got what movie was a big hit that got these movies made? B, what movies were they trying to emulate? Like, what big hits were they trying to emulate or try and get off the ground? And C, is this a franchise that should have kept going on, in our opinion, and, you know, the, it just didn't find its audience? Or is this the sort of thing where it's like, eh, one and done is probably fine. Yeah. Either because it's good or because, like... I I don't know if they could uh, capture this lunatic magic a second time. Yeah, and I don't need a sex pass to make more movies. I yeah, we this is our first Luke Passan, and yeah. a lot of the reason that I we haven't, despite the fact that I love five or so of his movies, like I really like a lot of his movies. I think I've seen yeah. almost all of them. Um, is that I'm convinced that the moment we do a Luc Besson movie, um, like way more allegations are going to come out. And they're not like... I mean, the I, allegations that are out now are terrible, right? Like, all right, so what I do know is he that... Married he, he married a 14-year-old. married a 14-year-old because yeah. like... But he, he was legal because he got like the parents sign off or something. It's some yeah. weird French and thing. And then he made like Natalie Portman's character in Leon was based on his first wife. <laughs> And their relationship. Him being Leon in this equation. Um, and I think when he met uh, his his second wife. Um, why can't I think of her name? From the Fifth Element and the Messenger. Oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, me, yeah, yeah. Me, 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 like, uh, me, yeah. That, sh- that she was like six. He was like she was like 15 or 16 
when when she met him as well. Yeah. So yeah, he's a creep. Uh, he's a creep. He's hundred percent a hundred percent a creep. Uh, agreed that like he is he makes a lot. He's made a lot of movies. I really like. I love Fifth Element. I love Leon. I like uh, La Femme Nikita. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that he's done that I've really seen. I haven't seen uh, Taken. Um, one moment. Uh, Taken he just produced. That was one oh, of I his... thought he directed it. No, that was one of his Galmo productions. I've seen uh, Le Dernier Combat, um, which is uh, a really fun, like, post-apocalyptic, not really fun, but a fun post-apocalyptic movie he made. Um, He made this movie about two divers that I saw when I was younger that I really liked, uh, called, like, The Big Blue or something. Give me one moment. Give me one moment. It's called The Big Blue. The Big Blue. I'm looking up. I saw The Messenger in theaters, and I didn't like it. Um, I saw The Messenger as a kid, and I and for some reason I really liked it, even though it's uh, pretty boring. Um, yeah, it's not very good. One moment. This is not fun to listen to. But, um, uh, he did okay, Arthur cool. and the Invisibles. Um, is that good? I'm sorry. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about this guy. I figured you would have seen it. Uh, He directed uh, Cara Cara Delevingne uh, music video after he made Valerian. Um, But yeah, he made Lucy, um, which is a movie I like. I thought he just produced Lucy. Now he directed it. I like I like Lucy too. Let's talk about why this guy likes to name um, movies after the main character's name. He's got Lucy. He's got Leon. He's got Arthur and the Invisibles. He's got La Femme and Nikita. Nikita. Yeah, yeah. He's got uh, Valerian, <laughs> and that's that's his name. And directed an Isabella Johnny music video. Technically, the Fifth Element is the main character's name. <laughs> Love I mean, is, I, is the main character of the Fifth. Well, Element. they do they do name her Lilu, but her technical name is the Fifth Element. She is the Fifth Element. Yeah, so I've I've seen actually a large deg- a large number of his non music videos. Um, but anyways, um, okay, yeah, he is a director. I I like a lot of his movies. I have also yeah, I've pushed away from doing his his stuff yeah, he's a, because he's a creep. I, I'm also frankly sick of um having to before we release an episode record a little message telling people like, hey, when we recorded this episode, I didn't know we we yeah we we thought he was one kind of creep. Now he's a worse creep. No, he's a, out in front he, of it. He's a creep. He, he's a creep. A terrible person. Uh, I don't. The laws may be different in France. He should be in jail. Probably sounds like uh, uh, the grooming that all the right wingers are looking at are looking for. Check out Luke Besson. Yeah, there might be um, a there might be a reason why he makes a lot of his movies in France, and it's not just you know loyalty to his. Name. Well, what's funny? Uh, the, what's funny about this movie is that he did make this. You know, he it was the highest budgeted French production ever, mm-hmm. but he didn't get uh, the budget was higher than he wanted because he didn't get any of the government discounts because he shot it in a foreign language, i.e., English. Yeah, I uh, my thinking on this movie is that I would give it a full star or higher. If it was in French, if it was in French and I could just be like, well, that joke's not very funny. It must not translate well from French. <laughs> oh, that guy's, yeah. being, that guy's being a sex creep and won't leave her alone. He's just French. I think part of it is that let, let's get through there. So the big criticism of this movie, which is not an area of this movie I will defend, is that Dane Dehane. Dane Dehane. Dane Dehane. <laughs> Possibly the Dane. The Hane train. <laughs> in in German, that's Dane the Hane. <laughs> it's possible his name is Dane DeHaan, but which one's funner to say? I asked. Um. Yeah, remember that guy? Uh, 
<laughs> what's solo. what's more fun? Yeah. Well, but that's so that's the key, right? So did you remember Dane when uh, Michael Jordan had a had a uh, a Hitler mustache and those Hanes ads? I hate yeah. For Adolf Hitler, <laughs> yeah. Norm Macdonald's when he had that sports show on Comedy Central, was thinking about like <laughs> about Michael Jordan deciding to. He's Michael Jordan. Who's going to tell him to shave the mustache because you look a little bit like Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> so he is my ass. He is a terrible actor. Um, and I, Dane DeHaan, like, yeah. In this I movie, think, yes. In other things, no. Well, so he's terrible for this role. I think I imagine one hundred percent miscast. One hundred percent miscast. I imagine any role where he is um, a hero. Like I like him in a Cure for Wellness, where he's like a sickly, miserable. I even think he's okay in. The, I even think he's okay in the Amazing Spider-Man Two, where he plays a sickly, miserable Harry Osborn. Um, he's great in Chronicle as a sickly, terrible. Oh, sick, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tetsuo mean, riff. Yeah, like he has one <laughs> mode, and I. I think you can make fun uh you can say that like you're right like his kind of uh he's kind of harassing uh Kara's character Kara um, Delavine. Yeah. Um but the thing is if you put all of those lines in like a, a Han Solo he's doing Han Solo. He's doing that exact Han, Han same Solo. He's doing Han Solo. He's doing that exact same like I'm a cad in space who's a Lothario, but I really like you type thing. Uh, he's a, you know, a scoundrel and scruffy. And when Harrison Ford does that, it comes across as charming. When Bill Murray or some of these other people who are like, it comes across as charming. I know there's a lot of sexual politics that, you know, uh, are, are wrapped up in there. It's probably worth discussing, but it's the, it, it's still at the very least a classic archetype of a Humphrey Bogart to Han Solo to these, these types of characters. Dane DeHaan doing it is like a snake who's dying slowly of his own poison. And it comes across as creepy and sad and death. Like it is, it's, it's off putting. Um, He can't deliver those lines well. And it's also like the lines suck. The lines lines suck. I was, I was only sort of joking earlier, but I'm being serious. Um, the, the 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 script does sound like it was translated via like Google Translate into English, and they made no changes. It's a sort of so, script. It's a sort of script that if he's going to make it in, in if Luke Besson's going to make it in English, he needed to hire have a, a hire somebody who's like snappy and great at this sort of dialogue, as opposed to being like, <clears throat> "You roughly meant this. Let's see if the actors fix it," which is not what you want in a, in this. Here's why I think it's perfect for an eight year old or a seven year old. So my daughter Maya, who loves this movie, she we watched it for the first time like a year and a half ago, which I think led to us talking about this. That led to this month, um, and then she like it was a movie that she would watch all the time too. Um, and I think like it is an incredibly impressive movie for a seven year old because it has a, essentially a two hundred million dollar budget or whatever it is. Special effects look of it to this day. I mean, it's five years, six years old at this point. I have a whole thing about this because I watched Avatar 2 last night. Like, yeah. I have a whole thing about this. Like, I think it actually, like, captures some of that magic, even though well, we didn't have that, that access. Yeah, well, I haven't seen Avatar 2, but that was the inspiration. He mm-hmm. originally wanted – this. so this is based on a comic book series. He originally wanted to make this movie instead of The Fifth Element. He heard from some of his producer partners while he was making The Fifth Element that why are you making this shit movie when you should be making Valerian, this thing he'd been working on. And he's like, 
I can't make Valerian. Like, it's too much special effects, too much alien stuff right now. There's no way I could make it for a budget or it looked like shit. And it was when Avatar came out that he started to say, to get serious about trying to make finally his Valerian adaption. I think it holds up great still. Um, so, so you have that level of like spectacle and special effects, which is rare in, I mean, and this is a spectacle. Most of the characters aren't humans. There is things happening all the time that we're going to talk about, whether it's space battles or explosions or creative underwater vistas and, and weirdo alien creatures. Um, it's, it's, it's a movie of spectacle that look, that looks like it spent every money on, on screen. But that dialogue, and it actually works if you're seven years old. And that sounds like an insult, and it kind of is. But if, like, my daughter watches, you know, some of those Disney sitcoms where people, there's no subtext, right? It, this is a movie devoid of subtext. Characters say what they're thinking completely, even if it is so unnatural that no one would say it in real life. The movie starts with them characters saying. Characters almost can't lie in this movie. They can't lie, they say exactly what they're thinking. They explain everything that's going on. You don't have to read into their motivations. You know what everyone's feeling at the exact moment. And that's perfect for a seven-year-old, right? Yeah. Like, you, she's not asking me – I mean, she's asking me what's going on and that there's a lot of nonsense. That, but, I mean, I don't have answers for what, what's going on besides what she's seeing on screen. But, like, the she doesn't have to do what she does in some other movies that we watch where she's, like, trying to parse if, like, does he like her? Because the opening movie is, like – or and does she not like him? Because the opening part of this movie is him saying, "I love you and I want to marry you," and she's like, "You're an idiot. I hate you." Like they're they're saying those things without any other subtext, without any mm-hmm. coyness, without anything else. And so, like, I do think that this is like the perfect blockbuster movie for children. Um, and again, I don't mean that it's it, the rating is off for that, and some of the more like occasional like. Um, uh, there's not that much gore in this movie, but there's some occasional like weird leering creepiness, and Dane Don really comes off as a a creep that you definitely don't want. Like, I don't think yeah. I don't think seven year old girls are like crushing on Dane Dehane after this movie. <laughs> he um, is one of those. He he kind of looks he kind of looks like he is just shaken food poisoning. Yeah. Um, Again, cure for wellness was the perfect role for him. And he shook food poisoning by doing so much cocaine that his body forgot he had food poisoning. By getting scurvy. (laughs) Yeah. I stopped stopped eating all oranges that gave me me, uh, food poisoning. Now I have scurvy, but I'm doing generally better. Uh, He definitely has a pirate disease. And it is one of those things where, like, he... When he smiles, you're like, yes, this is a handsome man, right? This is, he's not yeah. cat. The producers are not stupid. They can't. They didn't misidentify a naughty as a hottie. He is a handsome person, but he, yeah. his energy is such <clears throat> that um, you can't give him this sort of creepy leering dialogue and then tell him to play it light and silly, yeah. um, because he can't do that. No. If you wanted him to play like, if you wanted him to play like somebody who's like more of like an incel type, <laughs> like great, he can he can nail that. If you want him to play more of a shy, introverted guy, um, who like when he smiles, you're like, actually, he's not that bad looking. He could do that too. It's just that it's just like there's there's a there's an unfortunate thing about Hollywood that like 
if you're going to be playing in these lighthearted, accessible, like high, like you just said, like a seven-year-old can watch this movie. In a, yeah. Highly accessible space opera movies that aren't that heavy. They're not that violent. Most of the violence is super comical. It's about as violent yeah. as Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um, what are you what are you communicating when your characters are actually talking? What are your yeah. characters trying to accomplish? What do your characters want? And for so much of this movie, the characters don't want anything, which means that when I watched Dane DeHaan uh, sexually harass Cara Delevingne, and she says, I do not like this attention. I don't want this anymore. And then he continues to do it for yeah. every scene throughout the movie. And her response is to continually give him like Stonewall until the last scene. Until the last scene, yeah. Basically the last scene. My response to that is get away from her. My response to that is yeah. not, and I'm thinking about that in the scenes that are supposed to be fun. Well, she also doesn't seem like Princess, like, the, the Princess Leia vibe is off, too. Like, I actually really like Cara Del- Delevingne's character in this movie. Like, I like that she is constantly asserting herself. I think she's okay in the role. I don't think the dialogue's great, but, like, the whole thing about, like, he's getting all the credit and she is teaching him everything she knows and most of the good ideas are her and she's yeah. hyper-competent. Like, I think... I. All that is good and not always the case in these types of movies, right? Like, she's hyper-competent. She solves a lot of the problems. She gets him out of scraps. There is a little bit about, like, he's the Valerian, which I think is both a title and his name. I'm not 100% clear. I never read the comics. Um, that's that's sometimes rare in these movies. She's not the damsel, right? She's, she's not. not the... She's not, and it's kind of fun. They take turns playing the hero. So yeah. I actually, while, while, while we're here... Um, I don't think I've made this clear. I actually really, I like this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I enjoyed watching this movie. I think it's actually a perfect kickoff because this is a, a in a nutshell, this is exactly what the type of movie that exemplifies yeah. like how close you can get to being a rarefied hit without mm-hmm. being one. Because uh, I think the world building and the sense of color and the style and a lot of the spectacle, action, special the effects, spectacle, yeah. the way that it's shot, a lot of the the way that it blends practical effects and siege and uh, uh, green screen uh, yeah. stuff. Great. Super impressive. The fact that it doesn't look or feel or taste like another movie. Yeah. Is, is something you don't get very often. The first uh, eight minutes of this movie is like an amazing silent movie with some of the best special effects I've ever seen. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's all those parts, too, that yes, are just great. Yes, Like, the movie it looks phenomenal. The problem is uh, it can't commit to either being uh, this is a road movie and a space station, which would be fun, like, just event- adventure, 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 and then at the end, like, oh, we accidentally found the thing you guys were looking for, I guess. <laughs> like, that would be fun. Or and it can't commit to being like a three act structure, tight um, Avatar, Star Wars style movie where you're like, you can count the beats like, OK, so this character just died as a sacrificial lamb. That means the climax is coming. And then now we're, uh, you know, now we're coming up to the, the final violent confrontation. And what is this movie about again? Oh, yeah. Can this character forgive himself? We're there. Um, the character forgave themselves right as they stabbed their enemy or whatever. <laughs> and then yeah. and then the movie ends. Like, you can't do that clockwork three-act structure type movie with this either, which is, I don't want that. Like, I love Avatar. I, I'm, an, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm Navi-pilled. I love it. Um, 
I love uh, I love a lot of Star Wars stuff. Like, I think a lot of Star Wars stuff actually, like, plays with plot structure and is, like, a really great, like, spectacle filmmaking. Um, I really think that what this movie does unique is, is great. What this movie yeah. does unique, it's great. Like, I love this, like, lightness of tone and this silliness. I love that when... They lose an entire commando team. They don't even fucking... They, it's not that they don't cry. They don't even, like, look back. They're just like, yeah. oh, good, guess we lost those guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> they were co-workers of yours. These were not mercenaries. These yeah. were co-workers of yours. And um, I love all that. It's 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 um, all of the stuff that when it, when it asks us to care about the love plot, it asks us to care about... The Clive Owen um, conspiracy thriller part of this movie. All of a sudden, I'm like, you didn't care about this movie until almost an hour and 50 minutes into yeah. it. <laughs> Don't well, fuck with Well, me. I think some of that works as a mystery. Like, and the mystery it's is not, a little... Oh, it's not, I think oh. it's okay. I think the mystery is okay. I know the mystery itself, in a nutshell, I think is actually really good because the movie is about humanita- humanitarianism and like, can we like yeah. reach out to the cosmos and shake hands with it? Like, that's a great, that's a great thing. It's how they express that mystery, and we'll get into it. How they express that mystery, I don't think works at all. I think the when this movie works is when it's just like, go, 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 don't stop, don't look back. Yeah. Why are you looking back? Yeah, I mean, they literally <laughs> a bunch don't of look dead back. Guys he back just there. flies through. <laughs> he just flies through wall after wall, not looking back. Yeah, and I, I have a, I have a little bit of a problem with uh, with various points with the character of Valerian. Also, do not understand why this movie is just Valerian. Can we oh, before we move on to the second half? Can we talk about how the movie is called Valerian City of a Thousand Planets? Yeah, which is a it's a terrible title. I'm sorry. Isn't it the Planet of a Thousand Cities? City of a Thousand Planets. Um, I, I, don't do that to me. Now I have to look. <laughs> it's a it's a terrible title for <laughs> Valerian it's, and the City of a Thousand Planets. There we go. <laughs> I was so confident, a, and then you were then you were like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> it is a it is a terrible it's a terrible title, but I it is the perfect title for this movie, which is excess. Like, I it is. I love much. that. I love that. However, if you're going to do excess, do also <laughs> put Laureline's name in the title. Because she isn't. Well, I think that's because character. of the. Com- I think that's because of the comic books. I'm not like saying that you couldn't change it, but there's a series of comic books of this that, that existed. I think in the 80s and 90s that were called Valerian, but wasn't. Um, wasn't. Weren't some. Maybe it was called Valerian and, and Loreline. Valerian comic. Let me let me look that up because I thought. Yep. Uh, so the comic was called Valerian and Loreline. <laughs> Um, also known as Valerian again, he's a he's a he's a sex creep. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Valerian et Loreline, also known as Valerian. Some of them were known as Valerian, like spatio temporal agent, or just Valerian. But one of the main series, the main series, uh, was Valerian and Loreline, and like the the cover art. One of the cover images I'm seeing is like her, like wrapped around him and his hands on his gun, like. Yeah, it's, it's like a it's a it's a two handed kind maybe, of maybe, but they may have modernized it because this started in 1967. I would guess she was more damsel. Maybe I'm wrong. I've never read the comics, but just knowing where feminism and sexism was in 1967, I I do think they may have made her character better. Just again, based on only my sense of how how far we've come i also i can't even guess because i do not i have not read many european comics that aren't the eighty two thousand like judge dread stuff 
Um, yeah. And I've never read, I've never read a French comic. And I don't, like, I don't know, like, you know, feminism took off uh, uh, with more force in France than it did here. Well, um, so. so a couple of things I would note. One, so the the series, the comic book series that this was based on was called Empire of a Thousand Planets, which is a better name. Empire of a Thousand Planets. That's cool. That's, I mean, that's almost like a Dune thing. Yeah, no, it's a better name. Yeah. Loreline in the comics is not from the 28th century. Valerian was a temporal agent who took her out of the 11th century and made her an agent. So that has a lot of potential problems. <laughs> I can't, I can have to you and probably you do a future to impress you. Yeah. So I, I'm glad that's that, that part story, of it. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I think just based on that possibly the, the, the point is also Valerian is a pretty, pretty unique proper noun, right? Like, yeah. If, if you put Valerian in the title, and I understand the comic was, like, somewhat successful in, in France. I understand it was not this, like, obscure indie thing. Like, people... It was successful to to, to, to some degree. Maybe majorly successful. I mean, I it was know. successful in France. I mean, you know what else yeah. was successful in France? Dating 14-year-olds. I mean, I think that's... Yeah. <laughs> successful. It really took off. Um, I was thinking letting the Germans march right in. <laughs> um... But uh, the Maginot Line? Wait, no, sorry. It was something else. <laughs> um, but uh, the... Uh, what I was going to say is... Um, the... I think that you could cont- you could keep Valerian in the title. And anybody that would resonate with that title would be like, Valerian. They wouldn't... It's not like if you do, if you add Laureline's name in, it's going to divorce you from those that reading, right? Like, there were Ant-Man comics, and then they added the Wasp, and then there were Ant-Man and the Wasp comics, right? Like, I, I just... If the movie is a... All, all, yeah, I agree. But all these... Ty- the, I mean, what keeps, I think, all of the titles that we're covering this month are bad and almost designed to keep audience audiences out you ever hear a title and go oh that movie's not going to be successful just based on the title like that's how i felt about jupiter ascending so i felt about battle angel alita there's something about them that is just it's i don't think they're going to be successful because like battle angel alita i didn't think was going to be successful because it's like oh that's too japanese anime anime title ish that it's not going to be good enough for america and for american audiences this is too convoluted to be successful jupiter ascending is too generic like i'm not saying that you can't have like generic titles and there can't be things successful you could make the case of the matrix or avatar but i think those work because of their simplification and i think that these are a little bit both too specific and too generic at the same time to really go, oh, I don't, that's going to have to get some really good reviews and have some really exciting trailers. I, I, uh, I agree. I also think like what an underrated part of having a big franchise is I, I personally, I'm someone that really doesn't like when a book series or a game, particularly video games has a lot of proper noun soup in the title. Um, like torment tides of Numeria. And I'm like, I don't like torment is a is an evocative word, yeah. and then you yeah. added uh, apparently Numeria is a is a is a, is a, a, a waterside nation. Uh, maybe it's an island or a peninsula. I don't know. Like it, when you start getting these proper nouns in there, like I start to, I start to be like either wander off into stupid directions or get bored. I'm not like there. We're there. Avatar. 
uh, I was like, okay, that's like a pretty simple concept. A man drives around like a, a, like yeah. a, a, an alien body, right? Like it's a little bit weird, a little bit out there, but like, that's what the word means. The matrix is like literally like a codified. But you, but you can nugget. also, it's one, the thing about one word titles, you can have the trailer person hit the title really hard, right? You'd yes. be like avatar. Yes. Right. Where you can't do that. Valerian city of a thousand planets. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. And I, so I, that's why, like, even even if it's generic, Avatar, The Matrix, easy to hit the The Matrix. Like, yeah, what yeah, is yeah. The Matrix? You know. And I know that that's going to be a problem all month. Like, um, it is. I think all these titles. I'm not saying they're bad titles. I like Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets as a title. But it's going to be it's going to be a problem all month to be like, hey, why didn't you do the thing that worked? Because that's like literally what producers do, right? Um, but my point is that like what worked about Avatar, what worked about um, Guardians of the Galaxy, what worked about the movies that that Avatar, Matrix, what worked yeah. around the sci-fi franchises around here that like <clears throat> really like sung. And like, you know, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, we all like we've just accepted that's a property. That. Yeah, that's a property that people know. Though. Yeah, we, so with, but we've accepted, Chronicles of Narnia, or but we've accepted now that that's a yeah. thing. But at the time, that movie that movie was able to really step forward because, like, you know, Peter Jackson was an improving quantity among like you know big budget filmmaking at that point. Right, he made a bunch of movies to try and prove that fact. The the type the the title of it is a mouthful. It does feel very niche. It is a city of Valer a city of Valerian city of a thousand planets style thing where it's like trying to communicate that it's like part of this like broader universe. And you're but just I still think the Lord of, of the Rings is a specific. If you just say Lord of the Rings, that's a vacuum. Same with Chronicle Chronicles of Narnia. Like. Yeah, it does. But it it does fire off some sort of motor neurons for like this is nerd shit. Um, not, yeah, and, it does. And, yeah, but um. <clears throat> Those movies were were well marketed, and they had an amazing uh, an amazing hook, which was like, yeah. "All right, we're adapting we're adapting a story from like a hundred years ago." But you're, there's like up and coming ac- hot actors that you like in this movie, and look at how evocative and mysterious. Don't you want to know what this fucking ring does? Don't you want to know what happens if this person gets corrupted by this ring? Don't you want to know what their journey is going to be like? Like they, they they had all these pitches and these sort of mysterious ads to make you kind of get over the hump of like yeah. Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring is like a very mouthful title. I'm not saying it's a bad title, but it's a mouthful title. And I think that's kind yeah, of like well, even, where and, and even Guardians of the Galaxy, they're... Their trailer made fun of the fact that they were the Guardians, like right? Yes, because I mean, he's like, "We're the Guardians of the Galaxy," and John C. Riley's like, "Yeah, you call yourself the Guardians of like," and that that's like, "Oh, I get it. This is fun." Like, and I went and saw it in theaters because I was sick of I was sick of like space opera shit, yeah. and I was sick of uh, superhero movies, and I was like, "I'm gonna go see the James Gunn fun. movie yeah. that's making fun of this well, stuff and seems actually my, funny." Part <laughs> of the, I mean. And actually, to step back just two seconds, I'll I'll, I'll finish what I, my thought here. Yeah, yeah. But um, I do think the challenge to all three of the movies that I've seen that we're going to talk about is I like all of them for the same reason. And most of my problems with the movies are the same, right? There's different degrees of that. But, like, I like Jupiter Ascending, Battle Angel Alita. And Valerian, for the same reasons you said, the world building, the spectacle, the special effects, the the kind of conv- um, convoluted structures and systems that they're building. I I love all that. I think they're big. They're 
dumb and they're fantastic. Like in in this this amazing they're all and all three of them I was sold by the director Wachowski sisters Robert Rodriguez with with James Cameron's uh, involvement and obviously uh, 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 Luke Besson coming back to to do another Fifth Element type movie, which is what the previews look like. So, but but all of them have the same issues: some bad character development, some nonsense that keeps it from going like it's fun to watch but it keeps it from going this is a this is a five star movie this is a four star movie like mm-hmm. this is fun and stupid and i had a good time with it but it's not great and at valerian of the three i've seen this is a little bit from memory because i haven't seen battle angel alita or jupiter ascending since um since they came out but valerian i like the most and then i would go battle angel and then Jupiter Ascending. So it's going to be interesting where it kind of falls here. But I do think, like, these these movies, there's degrees of success and failure. But of the three movies I've seen, they succeed and fail for the same reasons. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it's really... Have you seen... What what have you seen for this month? Just None of them. None of them. That was part of the reason I was, I was so tempted by this month, is they were all movies that... It felt like I got a marketing blast in the face. Go see yep. this, go see this, go see this. And then they disappeared off the, the face of the earth. And to yep. spend $200 million, $150 million, whatever, on on something like this, and then to have it just disappear into the ether and just be buried in recommendations deeper and deeper down. Oh, you watched Avatar. Uh, wait, what other you know Disney movies have you seen? Uh, yeah. I guess maybe we can recommend you Valerian. Like to get buried down in that in that in that mush uh, of of you know content um, is pretty. It, it's a, it's it's a pretty unique thing I think about modern Hollywood, which yeah. is that like um, we are we're making Cleopatra's six times a year, right? Yeah, it's, making- it's a great point. Yeah. TV shows too, right? Like what that eighteen ninety nine that Netflix show cost, like something like thirty or forty million, like a huge amount yep. per episode. And then for a like, TV well, show, yes, yeah, eight episodes. Oh, we it was a big hit. It was on their front page for like weeks, and they canceled it. It's like yeah. oh, okay. and they and they the, people the were worried about that did. with Sandman too. They're yeah. like, it's just so expensive to make. We don't know if we're getting another season. Yeah, and uh, one of the first th- one of the first shows that uh, Netflix got flack for canceling was Marco Polo. That was them trying to cash in on Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. we this used to happen and make big news, but now like when these bombs these bombs happen, they're happening all the time because nothing but ten poles are happening like all. Month, and yeah, all year. we are just drilling into to specifically science fiction ones, not yes. the not the Hunger Games, Twilight ripoffs, not the fan the the attempts at doing. Lord of the Rings that never went anywhere. It's why we said we already have spinoff months in mind because this is this is a big well. Yeah. $200 million blockbuster is meant to start a franchise that went nowhere. Yeah. But yeah, man, I, I, I think that... Let's I go. Think, yeah, let's go. I, I think let's, let's get into it. So you want to talk about Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, which is the title because I'm looking at it right now on my screen. <laughs> I was about to try to trip you up again. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. Seven. 
commencing countdown engines on three two check ignition uh, Peter why don't you walk us through what happens in Valerian and then take us through each planet one by one all right so it's our first 80 hour episode. planet number one is called mule mm-hmm. um which is sort of an honorary planet in the city of a thousand planets yeah um mule a very is, small one mule is a uh island planet that appears to be just sunshine all the time party time just drinking drinking mai tais on the beach drinking jet yeah. pilots drinking making pearls Make it, and you're making living pearls. in seashells, living in giant seashells. Oh, oh, they've got seashells. Oh. They see down by the, seashore. by the seashore. Oh yeah, uh, uh, they're yeah. rolling in the seashells by the seashore. Sorry, they see shore. They see Polly Shore. Oh, he's there. He's definitely. I mean, you wouldn't know if he's one of them. Yeah, he's he's a beach loving guy. He loves to hang out. Yeah, the he'd be like, it's the Leaning Tower of Pearls. Uh. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. it. That's the joke. Mm-hmm. Uh and, um and <laughs> so uh th- th- there's a race of navi on um <laughs> on the planet mule called hold on hold on they're they're not quite navi because they have less they are more androgynous than navi yeah so i can explain this really quickly so yeah. um basically uh this beginning section shows most most broadly i think what kind of appeal they were trying to tap into in terms of what story they selected to tell from the many many valerian stories right yeah um they want to tell the story about the mule um the planet sorry planet mule the mule converter and the pearl people um and what they are are like very it's a very cool um kind of yes like androgynous uh bald sea people that have sort of an atlantean kind of aesthetic um it's very ornate and gold with like drooping sort of swooping patterns. Their ears yeah. even have like sort of these drooping patterns. They they wear gold, but they're kind of like a happy seaside Atlantean kind of people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. They so similar to the Nabi, uh, they have the that that thing. And I think this is an underrated part of Avatar that people don't talk about. Everybody that loves Avatar or hates Avatar spends the first 15 minutes probably in a similar mindset, which is Okay, this is kind of creepy. I can see the person under there. Kind of, yeah. Uh, you're in the uncanny valley. The the question about whether or not you love Avatar is: Can you get past that first 15 minutes and embrace the magic, embrace the illusion? In which case, you're going to have a great time. No. Um, if you don't embrace the illusion, you're going to have a miserable time staring at pixels. Um, and uh, I, w- I had I, I watched uh, Avatar the Two: The Way of Water last night, and I on the previous night I had watched this movie. And I was not equally impressed with them because Way of Water has many years of, 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 of uh, extra CGI. Avatar 2 is way, way more expensive. Uh, it also has James Cameron in the helm. It's just, it's not really fair to compare the two. But um, I had a similar feeling with both of them. How many, that, how many uh, planets do their cities have? It's, it, we're mostly working on the moon of Pandora right now. So but I think... A, not, so not even one. Yeah. With City of zero planets. It's an exoplanet or something. What do you call mm-hmm. a moon? I call it a moon, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I just call it a moon. I don't get involved in all that crazy Neil City deGrasse Tyson City of one bullshit. moon. Yeah. <laughs> what am I, Neil deGrasse Tyson? Am I ruining everyone's just, day all the time for no yeah, reason? I just said that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Damn it. I was laughing, and so I missed your uh, <laughs> joke. 
You remember when everyone used to like that guy, and then he's like, hey, just want to come on Twitter and let you know you're all going to die someday. <laughs> oh, okay. And also, if you like calendars, throw them in the garbage. <laughs> He was a cool, he was a cool, like, you know, I'm going to explain, uh, I'm going to explain a complex phenomenon to you, uh, really easily kind of guy. And he served that purpose for about two or three years. And then, um, I watched like a million people on YouTube do a better job than him. And I was like, oh, we don't need this guy. That's probably a sex pest. Yeah. Also, also a sex pest. Only good pest is Ramona. (laughs) The only good pest is John Leguizamo. No, I don't think that was a very good best either. <laughs> Never seen it. <laughs> so, okay. So the Pearl people, like, the, the point I was trying to get to is that when you first look at them, you have that Uncanny Valley thing. One of them smiles in a big, like, kind of beautiful kind of way. And you're like, kind of like, what am I looking at? And then about a minute or two into the scene, I started syncing up with 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 what they were doing. Um, it doesn't have, it doesn't have the time, the space, or the interest in doing the whole avatar thing where there's like an advanced ecosystem and, and all that. It's just kind of a beautiful place where people live in. It's in a, but it's with, essentially like a little s- silent five minute move. Yeah. Cause, oh, there's uh they speak, they speak a, uh, a alien language, but they don't translate it. Um, and they're at peace with nature. They use these, uh, uh these, uh, these 3d printer hedgehogs, uh, called a mule converter. <laughs> Um, that are, uh, just these cute little 3D printer hedgehogs. And if you give them an object, they shit, they shit, they they pit. I mean, it's out of his back. So they come, they come whatever you give them. Yep. Hedgehogs famously come out of every orifice in their body. (laughs) They sponge out. uh, You know, you know, when Sonic, he's just like a circle. Right? Mm-hmm. That's not him spinning fast. That's just cum. Blue yeah, cum whip- coming out. You can't even see his face because there's so much blue cum. Yeah, yeah. It's like when um, it's like when the, the sprinkler uh, ratchets back and it goes like... Yeah, it's just, a, it's just a big orgasm. He moves you know? fast while he's orgasming, let's be clear. But yeah. it's not blur. That you, Gotta come fast. You're seeing. Gotta come fast. <laughs> Gotta come fast. There's no I mean, once you start coming, get it out. You keep <laughs> some... You can't keep some of it in for later. You'll be weird. <laughs> um, and uh, they're all enjoying their time. By the way, <clears throat> this is something that I have in common that I, I think is common with the water Navi in Way of Water. And as you well were about to say that you have in common that I have in common with the Navi. Um, that I have in common with the Navi. I'm a very spiritual person. <laughs> I'm actually the least spiritual person I think I've ever met. Um, no, that uh, that the Navi have the the water Navi have in common with the pearl. Um, is that both of them give me, okay, so you know in uh, Shadow Over Innsmouth, where they're talking about, like, people having the Innsmouth look? They're yeah. like, what if you yassify the Innsmouth look? <laughs> I, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, like, what if the Innsmouth look was actually pretty fucking hot, right? Yeah. Um, so, can you, yeah, you're supposed to be a little bit... I thought like, you were going to say what you had in common with them is that you've had Sam Worthington inside you. <laughs> I no, we, I've had, I thought we were gonna. I thought we were gonna ditch. No, I've had I've had the Edge Lord from uh, Grandma's Boy inside me. Oh, uh, gotcha. Which means I, you know, I'm similar to the Navi. Um, but yeah, so uh, they're they're uh, enjoying their day on this beautiful planet, and all of a sudden the sky rips open and an apocalyptic event starts to happen. Yeah, I, uh, all of them uh, run 
all of them that can run and take place t- take uh, shelter inside and of the shelter in this shelter seashell. In this she she shall shelter by the seashore. In the, in the seashell and, shelter. And Mike, Michael Shannon's in the shelter. <laughs> oh he yeah, to, he wants. Is the sh- Shannon shelter in the seashore? <laughs> he wants them to shake shake shelter in the Shannon shelter. And yeah. shit, um, he says. And he says shit. Shit. <laughs> My says, seashore shelter <laughs> should have sheltered sooner. Yeah. Shucks. <laughs> Shucks. Farts. So he, uh, so all of them take take uh, as many of them as they can take shelter inside of this. Um, Singing the Beastie Boys Shadrack. Uh, yes, <laughs> it's a shame. Um, and uh, all of them except for one, the one that we were like kind of focused on in the scene. Uh, the pr- inside, she's the princess, and the princess end up inside the bunker. They lock the door, and she ends up getting trapped outside. They're sort of doing she, the airlock sequence. Um, and so um, we're we're introduced to this sort of like mini trauma, like some something dark is happening in the galaxy, but we don't know what happens. That's gonna be a mystery yeah. that they're gonna solve, and like they're gonna they're gonna remember they care about in about two hours. Uh, and, um, well, and, uh, well, so actually, we so hold on. That actually must come after the prologue that explains everything, because because yeah. as that explosion flashes to Dane Dehan's head, he's like, "What was that? I just had a vision." Yeah. So actually, let me let me jump. So back yeah, we actually got to back up. Yeah, I, I forgot that there's yeah. Yeah. There's it has two. it has a it has a proper prologue that's just kind of world pure world world building, and yeah. so uh, it's actually really cool. It takes actual space footage uh, of a satellite of the the ISS, and um, it kind of blends it into digital photography of the ISS, and it's showing two countries. I don't know if it's like the Russian and the Chinese, the Russians and is it the Russians and the Chinese something. Two countries, yeah. they yeah. they they do airlock and they shake hands and they hug and all of that, and this sequence is grounded by match cuts of people shaking hands and it starts yeah. with different nations. The technology starts to improve. Eventually, people aren't free floating; they're standing firmly on the deck. Eventually, it's mm-hmm. it's um, it's you know like full al- full human ambassadors, and then eventually in the in frame covers up the entire frame is an alien ship and it's aliens from fifth element um, yeah yep. it's aliens from the the prologue of fifth element um and they're just shaking hands with the humans to try and match their their um their mm. their, their their custom mm. and everybody that is coming to the iss matches that custom whether they're terrifying looking or they're cute looking um uh, and as we're seeing this it's different it's different humans receiving them uh, more advanced spaceships, more advanced spaces. The ISS is growing and growing and growing and growing, and the aliens are taking up residence there permanently or semi-permanently. And they're, yeah, and they're essentially giving them space to carve out its exiles, right? There's there's a uh, there's a few throwaway lines later on that there's some sort of intergalactic war. The the federation that this kind of becomes is like fighting occasionally um there's not too much about it it's what leads to the destruction of the planet but that this started as a way to take in essentially refugees and displaced alien races and becomes a place for them to create their own environment can create their own home and some people aren't just doing because they're displaced they're like oh we can we can essentially build like a chinatown yeah yeah exactly and, and, and and emigrate yeah, there's refugees uh, that are treating it as like a flotilla. There's yeah. there's um, 
other sort of like immigrants that are just like, oh, this is a place for trade. There's curious yeah. ambassadors of their of culture that just want to yeah. meet different races, right? Um, yeah, and it's and they have this great fly through of it when it's done that really shows, hey, there's underwater like. It's very much not Star Trek humanoids that have, like, slightly different forehead ridges. It is truly alien creatures that have taken up portions of this giant expanding space station. Some of them are aquatic. Some of them can't live in, you know, Earth air, oxygen. Like, you know, it's it's all different types of designs. And that's kind of the movie's greatest strength is that it's willing to embrace this, like, diversity of color and thought and kind of, like smush all of these ideas together and and creativity yeah and one thing that i love about this beginning and what it kind of promises is that this is not about um this is not about war um this is about uh peace this is a movie about how like after peace we've all got to get along but like you got to follow the rules so there's space cops in space that that help you uh that help get you in trouble if you don't follow the rules uh but the last piece is um ruger hauer is earth president or you know federation president or whatever and he's basically announcing um we're putting blasters on the iss it's now gonna like threaten earth if it ever crashed into earth yeah we're gonna go set it out and let it be its own planet its own the the first you know like fully fully created planet by sentient beings and that's how the movie really starts is like this conceptual city of a thousand planets um and the great and sequence it keeps, it's awesome so it's it's a really lovely sequence and we talked a lot about in the planet of the apes month how much i respect those movies for being truly anti-war um and how they're a movie where when the violence happens you don't wish it to happen yep i the only i couldn't come up with an example that month of like something that, that that's really like a big spectacle filmmaking thing where like when the big spectacle happens you're like no no don't Avatar kind of touches on that, especially after watching Way of Water, kind of touches on that some, but it's a rare thing. This movie, I don't think quite fits in that mold because this movie is just sort of like, it's, it's, it's more of a, it's more of a, it's setting up like a, a funky kind of, um, world building space. Yeah. It's like, this isn't going to be a movie about two alien races fighting. You've seen that a thousand times. This is about a bunch of aliens trying to get, get the fuck along. Yeah. And there's essentially one bad guy. Everyone else is doing the right thing for the most part at all times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, or what they think is the right thing. I mean, yeah. minus I, even even the little like uh, Jabba the Hutt Tatooine world they go to. I mean, he is stealing from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, but they're, they're, that's like a low key criminal. That's not a warlord wishing genocide upon an entire species, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a yeah. different it's a different ball game than what we're used to dealing with with these freaking movies, right? It was like when we came back and they made more Star Wars movies, and they're like, "What if we did the Empire again?" And it's like, "What if yeah. you didn't?" It's one of the worst ideas J.J. Abrams had, and it ruined uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, um, you know how they stopped the Empire? What if they did fine? <laughs> what if they just kept looking more and more like the empire until we get to this last movie and it's yeah. basically just the empire again they've yeah. even got Palpatine back he returned <laughs> anyway so dane dehan is laying on the beach sexually harassing carol delvine he's a space cop uh and he gets this like blast of like psychic energy and um it's essentially he's seeing this culture die and his ship uh, happily tells him, hey, this could have been from the past, the future, 
Um, it could be from a million miles away. It could be from 10 miles away. Like you don't, we don't actually know that much about it. Um, but you know, we, we don't need to preserve the mystery for the sake of this. Essentially the princess had the psychic ability to send a message of what happened to one person. Yeah. And, and he's that you find that out at the end. So he is kind of focused on, I have to do something for, to find out more about this. Yeah. Yeah. And this is sort of an ability of the Pearl people. Um, is that when they die, they can send out this blast of like, yeah, it's a little bit like Spock putting his hands on McCoy at the end of Star Trek too. Remember, <laughs> yeah, remember? Yes, yes. And uh, so my Vulcan, they, the my live long and prosper sign really doesn't come yeah. through on Mike, but yeah, we're um, killing it on the video. Oh, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, so you're scissoring. That's two Vulcan scissoring. <laughs> they love yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's, it's pond. Far. It's pond far. I think it's beautiful. Pond far. Yeah. Um, I get so horny that if I don't have sex, I'm going to murder. Glad glad I showed you the Pond far episode. Where Spock's going to fuck. Yeah, it was lovely. Uh, I'd love to see more. Um, Not that much Pond far. I want Pond Mar. Um, You want Bill Mar? Wait, hold on. I don't think you do. (laughs) Wait, don't the the, um, Klingons and the Vulcans both get so horny that if they don't, Klingons have don't have Ponfar. Me... No, Kl- Klingons don't have Ponfar. They just get angry and horny. Yeah, yeah. It's not Ponfar, but it's a, it's not it's not seasonality. It's just mood based. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I can really actually quickly get us through the first act. Yeah. Um, the the well, it's just most of the movie. Um, so Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne are two space cops. Uh, they got a cool spaceship. Um, they're not at. Uh, the city of a thousand planets. They no. are actually they're assigned to a space case. They need to rescue a um, mule converter um, from this place called Big Market. And the entire yeah. opening sort of sequence, the sort of you know Bond intro, if you will, is them having to do a big mission with a team of commandos um, on this place that essentially is a big flat desert plain with not much except for like you know some guard towers. And uh, however. Inside there is a um, entire tourist trap, big bazaar place called Big Market. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way that it works is you put on these uh, sort of VR goggles that let you access another oh, dimension. Yeah, so there's not, there's a whole different... The market's in a different dimension yeah. on the same planet. Yeah, same same planet, different dimension, and you also need to have gloves in order to interact with anything. So the way that it works is that, like, if you have that on, you are a sentient creature, and there's, like, a tour guide guiding you through and takes you to different places, and then the humans come out happy and safe with their stack of bullshit. With all their stuff that they buy, yeah. And then they ship it back to Earth or whatever, right? So that, so really quick, I mean, this is going to happen throughout the movie, but this is exactly what I talked about at the beginning. It's... So they have to sneak into this market. Obviously, Dane DeHay needs to go in with a gun, which is not allowed. How do you bring something into this market so that he can take the mule converter? So you already have this problem where, okay, you're not just going to the bazaar to confront the gangster to get the thing back, which is a normal like version of these movies, in Indiana Jones or Star Wars, whatever serial you want to put. It's, okay, then we have a bigger problem on top of that because this market doesn't just have metal detectors or other things to keep guns out that most movies would have to figure out how to overcome it exists in a parallel dimension that the only way to bring something actually in is to essentially like have a box that 
round your hand and literally transports part of your body into the actual dimension so that your hand can hold a gun in the dimension. So you you have VR goggles and you have things that, you know, that put your put your brain able to see everything that's going on, but then you have a digital dimension converter over your hand so that you can carry a gun and threaten people in there. <laughs> so that's your big problem. That's so your problem is that that is the convoluted way that you're solving it. And then the other problem comes out is ap- after you confront the gangster and take the, the, the mule converter, the box gets damaged. And now your hand with the gun is stuck in the dimension and they can pull you and they can hurt you and they can do anything do things if they grab your hand that is free-floating in another dimension connected to the rest of you. Because it exists there, right? Because it exists there, yeah. So it is this, like, it is this, and again, this is what we're going to see throughout this movie and why it's so great. Because it keeps adding nonsense convoluted layers into these typical action-adventure sequences that make them extremely compelling. And I would also dare say not like anything else. Like, this... This just I, I I I'm I'm sure there's examples of it, but like the how many layers deep their problems that they introduce and then their problem problem solving techniques are just unlike anything I've ever seen before. Yeah, and it's and the, and the it's for thing, two hours. And the best thing about this um, is that okay, so usually if you're in a sci-fi setting and they just keep coming up with devices to solve problems, you're yeah. like, this is bad writing. Like, if yeah. Star Trek is like. We need to the the um the teleporter's broken. We need to get ourselves on the planet's surface. Um. Oh, I have a jetpack in my backpack. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Like you'd be like, this is stupid. Like, why why did you not just solve your way around the existing problem? This movie, in a very charming way, is constantly coming up with problem and then weird tech set piece that turns yeah. the problem into a semi-comic action sequence and it's fun because the world building is so wild around you that you're like well of course they have that weird tech well, well of course yeah it's so expansive and there's so of much weird stuff that. yeah why wouldn't they have it yeah and it's not that they're pulling it out of their ba- they're constantly pulling it out of their backpack it's that the um the sequence sets itself up to create a problem and then the piece of technology that they introduced you to before the sequence started comes into play. So it's more like yep. a mini a mini version of the Bond gadget thing every yep. 10 minutes, let's say. Yep. Where they're like, we just introduced this thing. I can't, there's stuff that has more of a longer thread, like this stuff, this thing came back. But uh, mostly it's like, we introduced you to this weird piece of tech. Uh, here you go. <laughs> like sometimes it's, it's, in a, it's in 30 seconds. Sometimes it's in five minutes. But the biggest thing is the... Um, <laughs> yeah, is the is the 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 teleport the the transportation device and and how that works or like um they introduce you to a device that lets you remote at least you like basically with a dart you can take a control of someone's body. Yeah. And so there's a member of the staff whose entire thing is <clears throat> his entire staff his entire thing. Oh yeah, cuz like, they're controlled I, by someone else who has a better vision on the ground and he has the 3D goggles on. Yeah. So if people steal, he controls them the turret up like it's that it's so many layers deep for how this works yeah and it does give you that's kind of my point it does give you the sense that i'm sure it's drawing from the comic books a lot too so famously in, in star trek they had um when they were writing scripts when they needed a bullshit quasi-scientific way to solve their problem in the scripts they would write tech 
And then they had Michael and Denise Okada, who worked on there, and their entire job, not their entire job, they did models and other things, but one of their main jobs in the script writing was anytime they saw tech, they would read the script and they would come up with something that, you know, had some scientific bearing that wasn't complete nonsense, but obviously is taking our understanding of science and putting it through there. And so it, and they would sometimes, that's, and they would sometimes connect that back. And it would, that's why yeah. the lore connections are so cool. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause they, oh, I mean, they I really were, the, they were, they, they were really the people that were in charge of like that part of, of the script writers weren't just making up stuff. They had people, but it, but from a story perspective, it is just making up stuff. Cause the writers aren't worried about how they're going to solve the problem or even the specifics around the problem. They're saying there's a, there's a Star Trek problem. And a Star Trek solution, they would write tech into the scripts and that what the tech in parentheses would get filled out by those two. This feels like there's been a lot of thought that has gone into how everything works within each set piece. And so, again, you don't just have a market that exists in a parallel dimension and someone trying to do a little bit of a heist in there. You're all They're also thinking about how are all the different ways that you would pr- – successfully protect and guard a market like that you can't just have guys in the turrets because they can't see people from the other dimension that sneak out so you need other guys on the ground with the goggles who are controlling the tur- another guy through a brain implant up top so that you have both the ability to shoot in the real world so to speak in our dimension anyone that's escaped but the ability from someone on the ground to see people from the other other dimension and how you get the the gear out of it how you deal with the fact that the market exists on different levels than every like it feels like there's all it is convoluted nonsense bullshit but the amount of thought that has gone into i think actually creating like if this exists then what then what then what is what makes it so fun to watch yeah yeah it's 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 absolutely right and and it is a movie that fundamentally features like Valerian and Loreline shooting a lot of people, and that's fun too. But it, it's also a movie where it's like, hey, like they need to think on their toes. They need to basically pick up a piece of technology and instantly understand it, and let's roll. So this is the, it's not really worth explaining this shot by shot, but sort of the no <clears throat> the entire appeal of this first sequence is that. That he's he's trapped in two, between two dimensions. He has to figure out how to get back to his backup so that his his you know uh, Loreline, who's more of the tech expert or one of the other members of the staff, can fix the box. So um, he can get his hand can, out. So he can get yeah. his hand out, and then he can be done with that dimension, and then get on the the boat because the the mule converter is already out. So he goes to go steal the mule converter from a job of the hut. Um, and a guy with like seven noses or something. Yeah. <clears throat> The guy uh, is trying to sell the mule converter to to pearl people. And you're like, yeah. why? Wait, so they're still alive. Why are they trying to? I mean, I understand they want to buy it, this thing back because it's. Well, remember, world, you don't know like, if that vision was in the future, too. So you really have no qu- idea. quite. True. Yet. Yes. Yes. You At this point, you know that the vision could have been whenever. Could have been um, anywhere. Yeah, and but you don't know what those marbles are. That's part of the mystery because you don't didn't understand the dart the 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 um dialogue. Uh, you don't know when those mar- what those marbles are for. You don't know. You know, what you the- put the marble into it, makes more marbles, and it powers their world. That's yes, about. and you know it's very valuable to this guy, and it's maybe the last one out there in the entire universe, right? 
they uh they're 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 plan to buy this thing is squandered by valerian who steals it and he eventually ends up falling down level through level through level through level <clears throat> into a sort of like strange cosmic liminal space that's solid earth on the main planet but it's open on this planet he ends up like in this like in this strange this strange like gulf and uh you know he's going through all these spaces he's meeting all these strange alien creatures and this is going to be basically the first hour and a half of the movie because um when he gets to the the city of a thousand planets like that's it like it, it's it's mostly just him stru- stumbling into the business of species that maybe don't want him there um yeah right like well and that's so they i mean they kind of get he gets back to the space station clive owens there this other major guys there and um he's like hey we got this thing something's going on and it really it just it does become like it, it's kind of a hard movie to explain because because it is like they get back and he's convinced there's something else going on. And there's this weird part of the station that they've lost contact to in, in section 18. It says and it's radioactive. They can't see inside it. Clive Owen also has these new robot guards. And they're like, no one's telling him what's going on. And and uh, and uh, Valerian is convinced that he needs to get to the season. He says it has something to do with my vision. It has something to do with everything that's going on. I have to get there. And then... That kind of becomes the next hour and 15 minutes, him trying to get through this giant station to get to this part that they can't read into. Um, they have these, what, what do they call those weird gargoyle anteater guys again? They have a name. Like antlion things? Yeah, but what are those three like? They're like, you know, they, they have all the secrets. Yeah, I think they're called um, uh, offensive Jewish stereotypes. <laughs> is that is that it? <laughs> there's a few characters in this movie that are basically like it's kind of like a Watto level where you're like so is this oh yeah to- i mean oh yeah they're three Wattos. i yeah i didn't make like, that connection like are these yeah he does they didn't go full Watto. yeah they didn't go full Watto. but the Watto is kind of like interesting because he's sort of like a um <clears throat> offensive stereotype of the entire middle east like he's yeah. also also parts of the mediterranean like at different points i'm like is Watto making fun of Greek guys? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to various see line readings. Are. But yeah, those 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 three little uh, those three little like uh, information traders who there yeah. so many aliens in this very similar to you know um, like Fifth Element or a lot of these like all these aliens care about money. They're all like very money focused. It's kind of it's kind of. I like that they don't do the weird normal space inflation because they offer a hundred. They said they want a hundred. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, it's not. It seems not that that much. And she's like, in your dreams, I'm like, oh, a hundred's a lot in this currency. (laughs) Um, But anyways, so before that though, they do send Valerian. He's like, I'm gonna go, and everyone's uh, including Clive Owen is on the mic and he has this great suit that just adapts to go through anything. So he can run straight through the station through metal, through air. It has little like hover things that he goes on. He can go, you know, straight. uh, The quickest way between two points is a line when there's water. It has like his suit has little water jet things that propel him around. And the only thing that trips him up is that um, Lorelai keeps telling him it's, it's in, in, in probably actually one of the only legitimate funny par- uh, attempts at humor. Like, 
it's somewhat obvious, but he's saying 81, 81. He's just running, running, and he sees 81, and then he flies outside of the ship. And she looks at it and turns it upside down and goes, oh, it's 18. And he's like, oh, great. Perfect. Thanks for the update. How am I going to get back in? <laughs> but that you know, is, but, but that is, that is uh, uh, like funny, but it does outline the fact that there's no characters in this movie. Because I was like, but Dane DeHaan is supposed to be the one that's dumb as hell and would yeah. read the map upside down. She's supposed to be the genius that he won't listen to or whatever, right? Like, yeah. I'm I, like what the movie says the characters are very often differ differs from what the characters are. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, then, yeah, but like the 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 this sequence is so, but the sequence is so cool, like visually because you're taking you through yeah. all the different biomes that are there, and like it's great. I, I don't want to I don't want to run past this the way Dane DeHaan does because this is what the movie really excels at is like we're going to take you through all of these different spaces with these different creatures that are all doing these things for very specific <clears throat> very strange purposes but this person sells to this person that sells to this person that sells to this person and so humans are just better off because all these different species are talking yeah. but like in the in the meantime you just you know you're just running through this person's fucking living room <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it's but it's so great the way there's literally a suit that allows you to do that. Like yeah. they have a suit for it because you do need it sometimes. And how else would you get through this? You need a suit that's adaptable to any environment, anything to move quickly. And like that's a great idea. For yeah, again, I, I just want to say the suits, the guns, all of that also looks really great. It's very easy to just be like, um, it's a spacesuit. Like it's very easy for these movies to just make it all look like war, war tech. And everything has this sort of elegant French comic book kind of curvature and and, yeah. and beauty to it. And it all very much carries the fifth element kind of touch. The one aesthetic problem that I have with the movie is that fifth element is very tactile because it's it's so many practical, uh, practical effects. A lot of this is just kind of CGI stuff, which doesn't have the same fifth element grabbiness. Yeah, it's, it still is more tactical compared to a lot of CG. Like the CG is well done. Yeah, 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 because they, they understand that light reflects off of this object differently than this object, and, and you know, they the this, this sound effects means that when he runs into a wall, it makes the right noise. It does not yep. make it does yep. not make some, some nonsense sort of, like, tin wall effect that you sometimes get in these Marvel movies. Like, it, it makes the correct noise. Like, he yep. interacts with objects in a way that feels real most of the time, not always. Yeah, but it, it's, it, you know, the suit is also just an example of what I've said. It feels like there is a level of thought into this. You have cops, right, that exist on the space station. How do you respond to emergencies when you're essentially living on, like, tent city after tent city that has different biomes? You, you're, you're not, there's not a city planner. Each species is designing their own living section and so when cops when when you're trying to get emergency from point a to point b how would you go through it and they're like well you'd have the only way to make that work is you'd have to design a suit that could actually doesn't matter if there's land it doesn't matter if there's water it doesn't matter if there's something hard and metal and so like again it's that idea of yes this is a convoluted alien world that you're only scratching the lore surface of but we've put thought into how some of these things can work yeah, like, even if it's silly. Yeah, like 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 the glam pod is going to get into the silly level of of their solution to a, a problem, but it still is like it has a solution that works within the. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, 
in a lot of these uh, movies, because the Earth has gravity, um, you know, Blade Runner Spoiler. is based on based on a Kowloon walled city. Um, so it has to build up and it has to build within. So when you're running through, you know, multiple neighborhoods and yada yada, like it has to be like sort of like at least somewhat logical based on gravity. With this, it's because these 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 uh, they don't have to expand just upward. No. They can expand downward and outward, and they're all building their own city of a thousand planets. It's literally everybody's building their own little like orb malformed yep. orb and you're running through different like globe orb things this movie yeah. should have been called globe world oh yeah 100 percent. globe world world globe world global world global world, world. Global world. Yep. i can say it too globe world you can say it really quickly globe world. i want you to right global world goal so he gets back into the station ends up unconscious and then lorelei goes to look for him but they won't tell him where he is anymore they're not i forget exactly why they're not getting giving him help there's a lot of just yelling oh no wait it's because oh, they go he's into in, a he's in forbidden territory no he's in forbidden territory but then they go into a conference with clive owen to talk about it and some of the pearl people come out and goo them all they get good they get they get goo there's a lot of goo based weaponry in this movie if you like goo, the future's goo the future's obviously good yeah yeah i mean first in our time there was a boy named goo course the goo goo dolls second or third album but it was their breakthrough album i think Mm -hmm. we can all agree like no one's gonna tell me that a boy named goo wasn't the goo goo dolls breakthrough album no one's gonna tell you that it had name on it like sure it's not iris or the other one slide or whatever on their second album or their second big album dizzy up the girl as we as we all know but i mean a boy named goo was definitely the goo goo dolls breakthrough album I, lo- I think I in this, this world, I have no idea what you're saying, and it's just it's great. It's all it's all factually accurate. It's like information goo. It all <laughs> just kind of glues together, you know. I think the, the boy named Goo, oh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Plants, was probably when they invented the goo guns that goo everyone up. That's so true. It's great. That's- it's not lethal. They don't want to make war. They want to make goo. Don't make goo, not war. That you know, it's so true. I'm going to say that's so goo. You should. You should. We should say that always from now we should always say that yeah that's i feel like goo is actually the most versatile word because like be like i love that for goo noun verb adjective you you could just like kind of throw it in there and it's got it's got a version ready for you and everybody knows what you're talking about we're talking about goo yeah we're talking about goo we should we should make a sidecast called goo talk Uh, that's a good idea I think it's pretty good. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So, what kind of cheese would you bring to this podcast? Uh, a goat. <laughs> not not gouda. Oh, I know it. No, I like not everything needs to be goo related. Yeah, but goat, you know, is more of your good vibe. goat cheese. Yeah, we call it goo- goot cheese. Goot. It's very German. <laughs> um, you'd know, um, because you're part German. <laughs> How much German? Uh, I think I'm, I think if you I think if you add German and Austrian together, I'm at like seventy something like that. Quite a lot. Too much. Too much. Um, the rest is Irish pig. Yeah, I'm Irish. And I love German, it, but I don't look as German as something. I love it. I love. Yeah. I love. I love having Irish in me. It means that I get to get really mad at Maggie Thatcher and like really feel it. You know. Yeah, it's that's helpful. 
It's not, you know, it's not theoretical empathy. I mean, my gra- my uh, my grandpa was an immigrant from Ireland, so is it because like, he, assa- he assassinated like a royal um, soldier? No, I wish. It's just, I think he just wanted better. His parents it, wanted better. I mean, before life. he left the country, could have knocked knocked a couple, you know, royal soldiers out of the way. We were never allowed to have potatoes when we visited his house because he's like, they turned their back on us. <laughs> they turned their back on them. <laughs> You're having a different starch. <laughs> uh, we're like, no one tell grandpa potato chips or, ch- or, still, <laughs> or french fries are still... Yeah, he'll, he'll kick us right out. Uh, but anyway, so um, so everyone gets gooed up, and then the pearl people steal Clive Owen. They They're do. Like, this is our goo trophy. Yeah, yeah. You they know. take their goo trophy and they go home. Yeah, and and, and unfortunately, damn in their goo trophies. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, people don't say good riddance. They say we got to go get him. Well, no one says anything because they're all they're all still gooed up. Yeah, they're they're gooed up and they're and they're chewed up. Um, yeah, eventually they ungooify themselves. Yeah, they they do goo. Um, so they're I do goo. I I, I do goo. <laughs> um, they they do not die in the goo, of course. No, this is a uh, friendly goo. Um, purely non-lethal goo, like the goo you'd find in your house. Uh, yeah, like your common house goo. Um, common house goo that you may have. Yeah, that you by, may make by the bushel. Oh, I can't make it by the bushel. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have a goo shed um, just because, you know, you make you make one bushel. Hey, in the apocalypse, you know what? People are going to pay a lot of money for two things. Water. And goo. And goo. goo. Um, So anyway, so then Lorelai's like, great. All my buddies are gooed up. They go back to the anteater goblins and go. And they're like, we'll tell you for a hundred. And they're like, all right, fine. They're like, so here's what we have to do, though, because we don't know where he is. But, but there's these giant sea monsters in this sea biome that are harmless. <laughs> on them. I forgot about this. On them is a parasite that feeds off them that you can put it in its head and connect psychically with anyone you want anywhere for a, a minute. So we just got to go down in our submarine and we got to steal one of the parasites off one of these giant uh, they kind of look like undergra- uh, underwater cockroaches with a yeah. little more uh, cockroach crafts with, with a manatee. And it's these giant creatures that are great design. And they're like, oh, are you sure that's a male? Because the, only the males, the parasites are like, yeah, these are much smaller, which is a very classic, like, huge creature joke. And there's a bigger one out there that's the male. They're like, these are harmless, right? We're going to be safe. They go, yeah. And they take the the weird jellyfish head parasite and they're like – and then all of a sudden they start attacking and, and she's like, I thought they were harmless. And they're like, well, yeah, they're harmless until you steal their parasite friends. <laughs> and she's like, oh. This so anyways, captain again, is also the most French character in the movie. Oh, I forgot there's a sea captain on the submarine. Yeah. Uh, who the the way yeah. that they the way that they um they in, initiate contact with him is that they bring him a bottle of champagne that he lops the top off and then he just lets spray in his mouth. 
It's very what's uh what's uh <laughs> that joke uh, is tin- purely for French people. It, it's just Tintin's uh mentor guy or captain. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The, the the yeah the sailor guy. The, yeah, the, I forget the captain. Name. Everyone who reads Tintin is furious with us. But yeah, the captain. I I read Tintin yeah. when I was a child. He's Captain something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tintin would also be a great uh, franchise that didn't go anywhere. Uh, oh yeah, also a great movie. Yeah, I, I love that movie. It's great. Um. So then they're like, okay, you got to put this on your head. You can psychically connect with anyone. But only for a minute. After a minute, it starts eating away your memories and they go away forever. Like, yeah. so it's like the never ending. The, it's like the never ending two machine. Can I, can I actually interject here? Yeah, go ahead. So <clears throat> we mentioned how joke, how many of the jokes in this movie are just, you know, real knee slappers. Uh, mm. uh, none. <laughs> just one maybe um but uh in this movie they adr themselves out of a good joke all right so uh she says is there anything i should know before i shove my head up its mouth oh yeah the line when you watch the scene again because i was like oh they adr that line the line is is there anything i should know before i shove my thing my head up <laughs> sorry is there anything i should know before i shove my head up this thing's ass <laughs> which is like funny like, well but they do that's a good joke and but, she and she the adr you can see her saying ass like that would that, that would have been a laugh an actual out loud laugh so i me. actually think though the follow-up line to that is also funny though because are you sure they adr because the line is yeah is there anything i should know before i shove my head up this parasite's mouth she's mouth. Like, mouth. and then and then one of the anteaters goes it's not you don't shove it up its mouth and she goes oh yeah. so like that that's the so I, I think that joke is still there whether she said ass at first i don't know but the joke is is that she thinks she's shoving it up the she thinks she's shoving it up the mouth and it ends up being they're like no no, no it's up the ass i think they did that to give the cgi characters a joke because in the original one she is making a very serious face and she knows that she's about to do this horrible thing to save her friend well, she they that happens too because she goes. It's not. They say it's not up the. You don't show. Sorry, but she, don't before they say that line, she's already making a grim face, <laughs> like, and she's saying ass. Like the I, I rewatched it a couple times because I was like, I was like, wait. They still make I, they still make the joke though. They make I, I they the make joke the joke, works. but they make the joke. It's just I I got I got uh, confused. I you know okay so that is I think that this movie <clears throat> did find a way. To make jokes that are somehow worse than the um, uh, Star Wars MCU, like, he's right behind me kind of thing. Um, they fl- Star- they fly Star now? They fly now! Yeah, they fly now. Like, the new Star Wars stuff. Really yeah. just Rise of Skywalker and uh, the MCU stuff. Uh, really, mostly, I'm mostly thinking of Doctor Strange, who's one of the least funny characters in cinema history. Um, and... Uh, and the the way that you do that is just have these like half committal jokes that like still have a breath afterwards that like their jokes yeah. and 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 the whole time I was watching it this movie I was mostly ignoring dialogue. <laughs> One of the thesis for this movie is that you just have to buy into like what it's doing and what what it's doing well and what it's not doing well very early. And if you focus too much on what it's not doing well and you don't like what it's doing well, in my opinion anyways, then this movie is, like, going to be miserable for you. Like, you, you need to you need to discard very 
early and just say, I'm not going to get a Chris Pratt, Indiana Jones type character out of my lead. I'm not going to get good dialogue and I'm not going to get um, characterization. If if you care about that and you don't care about all the other spectacle and, you know, serialization and what one thing after another type of plot motions, this is going to be just a slog. Because if you don't. So anyway, anyways, they find out where he is. When he goes, when she goes to get him. I'm trying to figure out exactly how this happens, but she essentially gets no, she gets kidnapped before she's able, able to get, him. get. I can I can run through this part really quickly. Yeah, okay, go ahead. <clears throat> they both get fished and kidnapped by these ogre-like creatures. Oh, that's right. They do reunite momentarily. Yeah, and they get they yeah. get uh, taken by these ogre-like creatures who eventually take them back to this who lake. are fit who are fishing for. Fishing. For things to eat. Yeah. And they catch two humans. Yeah. And uh, she is being, like, dressed up in some sort of manner. He escapes. Don't, don't totally understand. He escapes. He goes off on his own event, a side adventure, but really quickly, let's, let's, let's jump. Well, no, he doesn't go on a side adventure. He, yeah, he, he gets yeah, kid. She he does kind of because. because he's to try to get her to the, back. The red light district. And she. No, gets, no, but he's, but hold on. But she, he's going to the red light district because she got kid. The, the people that took her. Yeah, he finds out that hey, that's actually a protected consulate, and if you go in there, that's, that's where I was going. Yeah, okay, but that's why he goes to the red light district. Yeah, because so he, he, he has to get the glamour pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he um, he goes off to the red light district. We'll jump back there in a second. She is being presented um, inside this like <clears throat> yeah, this like royal space um, with all these like ogre yeah. Uh, Glorbodes, Glorbins, yeah, Glorbins. but a protect, protected consulate. You you can't go in there. You It'll can't be a diplomatic issue. They're also violent and strong. Yeah. Um. And uh, he needs to go rescue her. So what does he do? He goes into the red light district. But he, again, I just love just really quickly. I love the way they're like the anti guys are like, "Yep, you're gonna have to get a glamopod." And like, it's just again, it's this. She's taking. They were fished out by this giant, diplomatically protected, weird oak race, and then everyone's like, "Well, you can't go in there on your own, so you gotta go get a glamopod." He's like, "Oh, I gotta go get a glamopod," and, and then the again, the act of him getting a glamopod, which you're about to describe, is also just an insane thing where you need to connect with your glamopod. Yeah. So I have, I have. This does yeah. bring up one of my my problems with the movie, which is that they are they are though they keep coming up with solutions. Their reaction to this stuff is always this sort of like Han Solo, both of them. This Han Solo, like this shit again. He, and he even has that reaction throughout the entire red light district as yeah. as aliens and 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 space sex workers are trying to proposition him. And I'm like. Even Marvel and Disney made Peter he's, Quill horny for a few minutes. Okay, guys, you can make him he's, horny. He's only got eyes for one person, the it's, person who he's and I'm like, sexually it harassing. So, it would be so much funnier if he was like, if he was like getting distracted from his 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 goal because he's attracted to some weird space alien with four boobs or whatever. Like, uh, like it would be so much funnier, but instead he's just like, I don't have any interest in any of this. And like, he just kind of stumbles until he finds Ethan Hawke is like, come on in, I've got glamopods. And, and he's like a weird space pirate pimp. Yeah, his, I mean, his name is Pimp Jolly. So I think I, I feel safe calling him a pimp. 
<laughs> well, sorry, sorry. We stopped using the word prostitute. We can still call pimps pimps. I, I'm just saying his. Oh, sorry. Jolly the pimp is his name. Yeah, we so, can still use the word. I mean, that's pimp. his char- That's yeah. his character's name. It's not yeah. my fault. Yeah, and he's also. This is a pejorative. Jolly the pimp. This is a pejorative, uh, you know, term for this character because he sucks. Uh, he is. But uh, he, I mean, he's still. Ethan Hawke does a good job with those. No, 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 no. Not, not knocking Ethan Hawke. I'm saying the character is is a dickhead. He's holding uh, Rihanna, who is this shape shifting alien named uh, Bubble hostage. Named what? Bubble. Bubble, yes, a hostage. This is actually, so th- this is the point of the movie where I think they some of the CGI stuff doesn't work. I do not like how the orc alien looks, and I don't like how Bubble looks in her Agreed. natural form. I, I, Bubble in her natural form is like the CGI that really doesn't work. Anybody that's listening to this that hasn't seen the movie, I don't know why you're still listening to this. Uh, by, in her natural form, I obviously mean in this blue orby abyss kind of creature form rihanna is obviously beautiful i was not yeah. like just if you're if you're listening at this point you still haven't figured it out i'm referring to this weird bubble thingy um it, it looks like it looks like the pill <laughs> it looks like the pillsbury doughboy but converted to sell soap <laughs> it's exactly it they sell soap to, to <laughs> i mean and the cgi is just as good as if sell whatever you're to, imagining to horny to horny bachelors because she's also got like Big Not even so. Lips. I should say, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, sell liquid detergent to horny college kids. Yeah, you're like, you're like, all right, these kids yeah. are never gonna wash their dishes. You know what we what, can? Do? What if they might get their dick sucked? <laughs> do you think that Danny Tanner from Full House met one bubble, yes. and that's why he became so obsessed with cleanliness? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um. So I mean, his 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 uh, kid's mom died. That's that's what happened. He met bubble. He, he had to, he had to be a mom. Yeah. Do you think Bubble was his his kid's mom? Yep. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I don't think it was Rihanna, but maybe Bubble. Rihanna does an entire cabaret act where she does costume she switches. Yeah. She shaped she shape shift costume changes, and it's so cool. It's it is. So, it's a great scene. It's so cool. Like it could be a little better. Like the music could be better, or whatever. But like it, conceptually, it's such a fun scene, and also just dropping Rihanna an hour and a half in your movie, pretty cool. Yeah. Um. And yeah, when I said that earlier, like she's not a good actor. She actually is a really good actor in her scenes that she's acting. She's not a good voice actor for Bubble, but I don't know if like when it bubbles in it, her its natural form. Um. And I think, but that may be just because the 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 vocal work and the animation conflict so much. It doesn't feel right in any way that that it feels. Uh, and also, she's given some terrible lines of dialogue. Yeah, a lot of it is the during script. the rescue scene. Yeah, I hate to just say it's the script, but it's the script. Um, uh, but uh, it also, I don't like. I've there's other animated movies that Rihanna has done voice acting in where I've been like, maybe in the room she just has a hard time connecting with the character. Um, I think in Home she does some voices, right? I haven't seen Home. Yeah, but she's uh, Home is not a very good movie at all. Um, but anyways, so uh, she does the shape shifting dance with Ethan Hawke, uh, Ethan Hawke cameo, and uh, essentially they strike a deal. Like I'll free you, uh, Dane DeHaan yeah. and, and her strike a deal. I will free you, Valerian and her. I can say his name because it's the title of the movie. Um, and she, he says, I'll free you if you help me get into uh, this orc place. Uh, yep. They go blah, 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 bloop, 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 bloop. 
into the orc place. There's a big fight sequence that has some really nice, like, dynamic moments, but I just fundamentally hate the way these things look so much that... The only thing that I, I think is funny is you you kind of don't know what they're using Lorelei for, and because they're dressing her, and they're presenting her, and they put this giant ornate hat on her, and you're like, what is this for? And then the hat is like a cone head that the cone is... The point is at the top of her skull and the rest of it kind of goes down over her head. And then when they put her in front of the king or the queen, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they have typical gender in this, this orc race. Um, uh, there, so there's uh, uh, Glorbuses and Glorbo. Great. Anyways, it's just like a, it's a, it's almost like, you know, um, in fancy places, the way they put a hard boiled egg in like a sleeve. <laughs> so crack it open. Yeah, that's what they—that's what they've done to her head. Yeah, which exactly. I think, which I think is very funny. She's just being turned into essentially like a a, a slave server, a brain right? egg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, no, she's—they're going to crack open the top of her, her skull and eat her exactly. brains. Yeah, exactly. Um. So, um, the uh, but he, he, gets he in, jumps and sneaks in and then he. And then, yeah, it's like, why couldn't he just go in and kill people anyways? If it's Like, that's not going to be a diplomatic incident? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's part of the movie is that, like, these guys yeah. are space cops, but, like, they seem to have absolutely no rules. The Herbie Hancock so like, so is So, like, real like, cops. Hold on. Yeah, so, like, real cops? <laughs> but at least in movies, there's, like, a commissioner that's, like, you cause three. They're all gooed up! It's true. It's true. All right, we uh, got we got to race ahead. Yeah, but anyways, uh, I don't like how these things look. It made me it reminded me of that cool scene with Lilu and the orcs in Fifth Element. I was like, those were all guys in suits. Just have one scene where guys in suits are fighting a human character. Uh, they get out of their uh, bubble dies for some reason. Um, they get to the forbidden zone and they realize it's not radioactive. It's just been quarantined because they're trying to hide a secret. Uh, they get inside and oh, there's Pearl there. Um, the Pearl people ha- are trying to build their own little world orb within, within, yeah. um, the, 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 space and they've captured Clive Owen because he's a war criminal and they want the truth to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, the, they also want to Clive Owen to- ordered the attack, another trade federation. There was, it was part of this war that you kind of only hear about in, in spits and spurts. And he had a weapon to kill off whoever they were attacking. It was his his thing is that there was no no life on the planet. No one died. These people are lying, and then he's like, "Well, they their instrument said there was no life, so there must be something wrong." And finally, they get him to admit, "Yes, there was life, but I wasn't going to lose that battle." Yeah, and and while we're here, part of the reason the mystery doesn't work for me is they introduced Clive Owen earlier, and my wife went, "Oh, he's the villain." Like at every at, yeah, like well, if so Cl- if, you're, if Clive Owen's in your movie and he's not the main character, he's probably a villain. Yeah, he just he comes in with such an imposing energy, and he doesn't. I, turn, I, and they don't let him turn on. I, I like like Clive Owen is one of those people that was a great example of like he had the handsome looks of a leading man early in his career, but he seemed kind of grimy and gross. And Which so like he's great like, and like it, 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 closer. It, he's great and like I sleep uh, closer. I, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Croupier, like he's really yeah. great in all those like Mike Hodges kind of style like uh, yeah. crime thrillers. Like I, I Clive Owen, uh, I, 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 think I like Clive great. Owen. Quite yeah, right. he's great. But when he comes in that scene and he doesn't turn on any of the Clive Owen charm, um, probably because they didn't give him space to do that. You know he's the villain. Also funny, uh, it's almost like it, this is almost an unintentional misdirect that Ruger Hauer is in this movie for five seconds and. Yeah isn't a villain he's just a president from the past yeah yeah 
That's it. Uh, um, he just was th- right. He's probably just in Germany, France that day. It's part of the reason the mystery doesn't work for me is that like Cla- Cla- like the movie doesn't let you pretend that like humankind had good intentions. Well, the, I, I, the mystery I think no. So that part of the mystery doesn't work, but I like the twists. I like that. So they are trying to not bring their planet back. They're trying to carve out a space in the city, but they need this uh, the the. Fuck! What is that thing called again? The mule, uh, mule converter. Mules the Convert- planet, and they're, they're yeah. They need the, the pearl into the, and then they they have they've set up basically fake shells and metal systems that will holographically, but like real, like replicator, rebuild their planet and their vistas in the space that they have that they've carved out in the city of a thousand planets. I think that part I like. And that you do find out this wasn't in the past, that this did happen, and here's how it happened. And then the other thing I like is what happens next, where the rest of the Space Force has been trying to locate everyone and isn't sure if um, if Valerian is working with the bad guys. The, the Clive Owen, they get him to admit, here's what happened. They bring back their whole, their whole station. But Clive Owen is a real douchebag, and all these robots that he's been building – He's like, at one point when they're in that standoff, he's like, kill them all. And there's a second where you don't know what's happening. You think the robots are malfunctioning because they start shooting, like, and walking into the places, blowing away all of the military and the cops. And it's like a default safe that Clive Owen had to end up on top in the case any of his dark secrets ever. Mm -hmm. His robots are there to kill everyone that knows everything, even it's the entire space cop leadership and all the space cops. Yeah, and, and uh, also when they they show you very early on that he's the villain in like very yeah. uncertain terms, and they show you these things, and you're like, "All right, I'm assuming you could probably have a movie with like a good RoboCop." It definitely is not something that looks like this. It looks like the the Gaff. I mean, there's from, not that many uh, movies Mass though Effect. that where the where the bad guy starts killing all the cops. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's it's uh. It's. I, I think that the ending actually like is exciting and thrilling, yeah. even though plot wise, I'm kind of just lost in the muddle. Yeah. Um, but uh, one thing that's funny about them is that Valerian comes in to do a little shootout, and yeah. he uses one as a uh, human shield, a robot mm-hmm. shield. And yeah. what's funny about them is that it they follow video game rules. Yeah. So their bodies are bulletproof, so he can use that as cover, but their heads are not. No. You gotta make a weak point. Yeah, so it, it's it's like they made the whole plane out of the black box except the black box. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> well, so then Lorelai has to shut down the server that's controlling all of them. Um, and Which they do. And, you know, they're like, hey, our princess, you know, peace is back. They say, hey, Valerian, the princess sent the, found the right person to connect a message to. And then Lorelai and him are like, let's finally go on a vacation. Uh, my wife said that that uh, Valerian spoke like uh, constipated Keanu Reeves. And I think that's, <laughs> that's pretty right. good. He does. I think that's a pretty good. He does try and do a little bit of like a dude bro surfer thing. Um, but like dude bro surfer thing like is for some reason engaged. Yeah. Like. Um, maybe yeah. someone kidnapped his weed dealer or something. Uh, I said it was like a Keanu Reeves trying to play Jack Bauer on Askew <laughs> for Sutherland on 24. <laughs> Where's the nuclear weapons? <laughs> <laughs> like, are they in Syria? 
it's whispery it's whisper yelling but yeah yeah it's it is it is that he's kind of doing it he's a dude bro thing he's like yeah. he's he's like there's a thousand planets <laughs> yeah oh that seems like too much for this place <laughs> i guess i'll run through them i can understand uh, hey planets. hey baby <laughs> Uh, anyway, so they, they kiss and I guess they're going to get married. Uh, there's an, there's a, the dumbest monologue in, in big, big budget filmmaking history in this movie, um, <laughs> where she's just like, she just turns to him and she's just like, I've got a speech about love for you. Here you go. Yeah. Um, and then they, I guess they get married or something. Um, kiss. and then they, they kiss, kiss, um, you wore me down with all your great lines. Like here's, I love you. And I give up other women. They meant nothing <laughs> to me, baby yeah it's 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 we've already talked about how little that that sings but like in these movies i could usually ignore like a kind of uh, lackluster love plot because these movies usually it's just sort of like they're performing their love by saving each other from action yeah. like it, it you know you can largely ignore that in these kind of movies you can't really do it in a bad like a rom-com if you don't buy the love in a rom-com you're toast there's no reason to watch the movie right um, the thing is, if you would have eliminated you, if you all, you can't buy right. the love in one of these movies. Generally, you may be out like two minutes of the movie that suck. It's just very funny in this movie. There's multiple scenes where they have to talk about like love, and, and like, well, that's my point. If they would have, if they would have not, if they would have just showed them working together in these stressful situations and getting like frustrate each other and remove all of the I want to marry you and I'm in love with you and please go out with me dialogue. I actually think the kiss at the end is like every one of these fucking action movies where two people who have never had a conversation or are annoying each other are almost just relieving stress of like, well, we're attra- we're both two attractive people and we've just been through quite a lot. Uh, why don't we fuck? That's like the ending of almost every action movie where these two people have had no... Adding all of the lines about I love you... And I want to marry you and don't you want me and everything else actually ruins that moment at the end because she's had to say so many times, please knock it off where I would have just sure. It doesn't make sense that they kissed at the end. It's the trope of like, well, it's a boy and a girl, so they have to kiss like man and woman. What else do you expect? But if they would have forgot, if they would have left out all the other stuff that didn't need to be there would have been fine. Yeah, but it's also like it's it's one of those things where like a movie. I understand that like they're kind of they're kind of bound to the the confines of what the the series is, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I, well, I, and and they're trying to do a they're trying to do a Han Leia thing. They're trying to do a Indiana Jones and um, you know all of his love interest thing. Yeah, I I get I I I get that, but like Chris I love movies where that are about like two 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 co-workers of different um genders who um never even consider fucking like they're just they just sort of respect each other because like we're so beyond we're so beyond i feel like if a movie came out today and said you know men and women they can't be friends like if a movie tried to pull that shit now like people would be like is this from the 90s or the 80s? Like, what is, is this it? specifically from 1988 and it's called When Harry Met Sally? Yeah, exactly. Like, the like you can't get away with that sort, those sort of gender paradigms anymore. Like, they're not... It's just... It's not a thing anymore. Like, yeah. you just you just can't. I have lots of 
friends who are women that I uh, have no intentions of having sex with. <laughs> um, and uh, it's not just because I'm married. It's because I like their personalities. I like who they are. And like, I, I have coworkers that I work with every day that I have no intentions yeah. of having sex with. Yeah, like, not everyone's can, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not everyone is, um, uh, what's, what's his name? Um, the uh, Mike Pence. Um, Ninja. No, what's funny is in order. I to- won't even have a land party with a lady because <laughs> wife might think I'm fucking her. Yeah, um, Ninja is um, perhaps perhaps um, the lamest the lamest person under uh, thirty five. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, also like I think didn't he end up cheating on his wife, which makes a ton of sense because anyone who's like, hey, I won't even stream with a lady because my w- wife might think I'm cheating on her. That guy's cheating on you. Like, talk about performative. Of like, I swear to God, I'm not doing anything. Like, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, deal breaker. You 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 watch three <laughs> seconds of his streams, and you're like, this guy's a dirtbag. Why would I? Why yeah, would I do yeah. this? Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, where were we? Oh, so yeah. So, um, as we're kind of like bringing us to the, the, the I mean, the, we are we are at the end. They, yeah. As, as they we're kiss, kind of bringing us to final final thoughts, right? Because like we don't really need to dwell on the fact that like their relationship doesn't work, but it is like a key reason that like, I, do, I think my point. Like the it. point is though, it doesn't even work for like action movies where two co-workers fall in love because it has all the sexual harassment stuff that precedes it which works i mean works in quotation marks if it's like a two people going tit for tat of like kind of aggressive hate flirting with each other but that's not what this is this is him flirting just desperately and her going please stop this i don't like this and so like even the cliche of two uh, of a man and a woman falling in love because of stress in close quarters and job proximity. So, yeah. anyways, that's yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of say something more positive about the movie as we as we come out because I feel like for as we talked about sort of as the movie went on, yeah. When we got to the red light district section is a and there's the big fight against the orc guys. I started to. For probably the first hour and 20 minutes of the movie, which is a long time, I, the movie charmed me and I liked it as is. Like, I didn't have to do any real work to stay on board. Around the red light district se- sequence, I started to kind of have to work a little bit to meet the movie on its terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at, when the movie found its plot at, I wrote this down, an hour and 42 minutes, that's when they get to the Forbidden Zone and they're like, Oh, hey, 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 I guess that plot mattered. I guess we should look in the Forbidden Zone. Um, I realized quickly, I was like, oh, I didn't want this movie to have a plot. You had so thoroughly convinced me that plot didn't matter that now you're coming back in and being like, hey, remember that stuff at the beginning? I was like, yeah, I liked this. I liked this stuff at the beginning. Yeah. Um, But why do we have to do this? And it, it made me realize that the ideal adaptation of Valerian ideal it's not a movie because movies unfortunately have to have three acts and they have to come back like they have to have some sort of overarching plot and like the overarching plot is supposed to reward continuous you know involvement from plot points that previously had come the ideal adaptation of valerian is a video game because so much of the yeah. movie what i liked it's about video it game logic, yeah. so much of what i like about this movie is that you know when you're in a video game and you're just kind of rolling from side quest to side quest but you're having fun you're not you're not just like collecting um 
you know, RPG character points, you're, you're, or you're collecting cash or whatever, you're actually like, oh, I want to go meet that guy and I'm going to go do a job for him. Oh, that that's awesome. Like more of a Saints Row kind of thing where you're like, oh, what would it be like to do insurance fraud? <laughs> um, yeah, it does. Like now that you mentioned that, it reminds me a little of like uh, Shadows of the Damned or Grasshop- a Grasshopper type game where like everything that they need to do next is like a, different type of level and it's more convoluted and crazy than yeah yeah and sort of like a different concept every 15 minutes like that to me actually like speaks to like what the 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 valerian world should exist in i don't think that they should make a sequel to this definitely not with dave dehan and cara delavine and i don't really think it needs to be rebooted i think maybe like I would like to read the comic books. I don't know if they need to be modernized at all because I haven't read them. Um, but like a Valerian video game would be rad. Like you just sort of solving mysteries in this world, like this open worlds with like all these different cultures that like have different rules and some of them learn to hate you and you can like piss some of them off by what choices you make. Like that sounds great. And that's why I liked the first hour and 45 minutes of this movie so much is because it felt like, apart from the um, cold open, it felt like a video game uh, in a way that video game, not 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 in terms of, you know, aesthetics or whatever, maybe a little bit in terms of how I felt engaging with it, which is just chasing the high. Just like, oh, I got to go check out that. I want to go check out that. I'm going to go check out that. I'm going to go check out that. Just really trying to see what the yeah. limits of this world are and the world feeling like it doesn't have limits. Like that, that joy that you can get yeah. from a good video game, a good open world video game, or a good sort of um, gui- guided video game where you can't really see uh, yeah. the, wa- the, the walls. Um, that's that's uh, really when this movie sings and why I had so much fun and why I was just tugged along the entire time without even yeah. realizing it, without even realizing that nearly two hours had passed. I was like, oh, the movie's basically over. Um it's a triumph of world building and color and splash and diversity of images and things that you've never seen before. Um, but it's an utter failure as a character piece. Um, yeah. And uh, the will they won't they obviously sucks. Um, and and uh, essentially like my, my overall take on this is that like, I understand why it didn't really take off with audiences and that's because they don't really give you people to root for in this. I want to see more of this world. I don't want to spend another 10 minutes with these characters. <laughs> so I agree with you. What's interesting. And so I noticed on Letterboxd, you gave it three and a half stars. That's what I gave it the first time. I don't know if you're going to have a reason to watch this more times. I watched Probably. it. And then my wife, I, I really liked watching it. it. And then my wife wanted to watch it. And so we watched it again. And then I, you know, it was like, Oh, this would be a fun one for Maya. One of the summers we were doing movies every night. And then she liked it. And then obviously, so the first time I gave it three and a half stars and I had the same complaints. I still do. But like it was like that, man, you know, it's hard when you go in and you love so much of the aesthetic and the creativity and the world building and everything else that all of the character stuff, like you said, you have to start tuning it out and ignoring it. But I think that's harder the first time that you see any movie, right? Because you don't know what to expect. You you don't know where it's going. If it, It's... Every time it happens, it's intrusive because it's new to you. And second time I saw it, those complaints got less. I knew all of this was stuff to be ignored. I knew Dane DeHaan was going to be annoying. I knew that everything about the relationship was going to be frustrating. And I leaned more into soaking in the visuals and the stuff I liked and ignore the stuff I don't. And then by the time I got to my 
third viewing, I was like fully capable of just filtering out every, you know, and it was like a four and a half, five star movie. And, and so like, I do think this is a movie that if you're in that precipice or like, I like a lot of this, but I have problems. It does improve because you have no more expectations that the human characters or the development or the dialogue is going to work. And you can just really let the world itself wash over you. I think there's enough there even on the first viewing but the intrusiveness of some of the lines and deliveries is so bad the first time that, like, I, I think it's hard to really appreciate it until you see it more times and and not understand where the plot's going more. Like, sometimes a lot of times those, like, um, Big Lebowski shaggy dog mysteries are hard to watch the first time because you get so wrapped up in the mystery that's confusing to follow yeah. that you miss the character moments. And this is, like, the opposite of that, where... You have to tune out the mystery and the character moments and just watch everything around it. But the first time you watch the movie, you don't quite know to do that. And so I love this movie. It, it, I'm interested to see, though, like what's interesting about this movie compared to I, I said that the the things that this movie does well is similar to Battle Angel and similar to Jupiter Ascending and, and the things it does poorly is similar to what I'm interested going through the rest of this month is... I haven't seen the other two movies more than once. So Valerian, I had the ability to see it again. This is the fourth time I was seeing it. So I really knew what I was expecting and I was, I was leaning towards love on it. I wonder if the same things, knowing what I know about Jupiter sending and battle angel Lita are going to, I'm going to have the same feeling where it actually goes up in my estimation, because I know what I like about those movies and I know what I don't like about those. And I can go in with that ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I uh I'm I'm curious as well if if on second glance you'll be like the the spectacle has faded away and you're yeah. you're just going to see the issues or if on second glance you're going to be like I've accepted the flaws uh and now Yeah, it could go it could and, go and either now way cuz really shine. This is one where the spectacle is so good and so creative and so unlike other movies even to this day that I feel like it shine it shines through and it keeps shining brighter. I don't know if I'll feel that way about the other two. But anyways, let's wrap up. Uh, if you listen to this episode, you probably noticed that I have, have had the hiccups all day. I'm sure I tried to edit most of them out, but thank you for bearing with a lot of weird uh, vocal tics. Uh, uh, I promise they'll be they'll be done by the next time we record or else um, I'm going to lose my mind because I've had them literally <laughs> all day. And yeah, so uh, I don't think we know the order for sure of what's next, but we, we're doing Battle Angel Alita. We're doing Jupiter Ascending. And we're doing Mortal Engines with no City of Bones. Keep your City Wait, of Bones in your pants, Mister. Yeah, the City of Bones. We've been there. We've done that. We're out of there. We're just gonna we'll talk go back about someday. Just gonna talk about the Mortal. Uh, yeah, and that's gonna be the month. So we look forward to seeing you on more uh, Failure Launch, where we're not covering the movie Failure Launch even as a joke, because that seems like a waste of time. <laughs> so good night. <laughs> good night. Elvis and Spice Ballads and Spice What you doing out there, Mom? That's pretty freaky, Bowie Bowie Is it cold out in space, Bowie? You can borrow my jumper if you like, Bowie Does the cold of deep space make your nipples get pointed, Bowie? Do you use your pointy nipples as telescopic antenna to transmit daughter back to Earth? I bet you do, you freaky old bastard, you!
Do you have one really funky sequined spacesuit, Bowie? Or do you have several ch-changes? Do they smoke grass out in space, Bowie? Or do they smoke astroturf? Receiving transmission from David Bowie's nipple antennae. Do you read me, Lieutenant Bowie? I said, do you read me, Lieutenant Bowie? And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. We truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help, and so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, We really do appreciate you. Uh, With kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. (laughs) Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>